Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin. I'm your host. Happy New Year to you. This is your first time hearing from me ever. Welcome. So this is a place for multidisciplinary artists, for folks who are seeking more of a transformational type of education, something that you would have found in art school, but maybe you went and maybe you didn't go, but you're here now. So some of the things we talk about are tactical and some of the things we talk about are a little bit more abstract, but all of the things that we talk about are in service to a better tomorrow for you, for me, and for everybody else. So let's be better versions of ourselves. And as a result, the way that we do this typically is by doing interviews with people who would make for the perfect, the perfect professors. <laughs> if, if perfection existed, they would be there. But, you know, huge shout out to the, everyone who's really contributed to the community, both from a knowledge sharing standpoint and from a consumption standpoint. I love all of you all. And to start off the year in a new way, I'm introducing a segment called Incomplete Thoughts. And the very first iteration of this will be actually an excerpt from an interview I did um, recently with my brother, actually. My brother is a PharmD, so that means he has a doctorate in pharmacy. And he runs his own company specializing in health coaching, life coaching, and um, business coaching as well. So, so make sure you check him out on Instagram. He's at Dr. McElderry on Instagram. He always is full of energy. You'll notice the subtle differences between us two, but also the similarities and how he came out of the same womb. That said, I'm going to go ahead and pause. If you want to keep up with us, you can go to educated-guest.com and at educated underscore underscore guests on Instagram. Feel free to keep up. We've got plenty coming for you this entire year. Love you all. Tune in to hear my thoughts on how I actually reclaim the romance of life. Peace. I, that could be a long story, right? <laughs> but uh, I'm going to welcome him on and give him the floor to explain a little bit uh, more about himself. And uh, we're going to touch on some topics. Welcome on, Justin. What's up? <laughs> yeah. So a uh, quick introduction on myself. Like he said, I'm his brother, um, younger by three and a half years. But as far as my experience, it kind of spans three different arenas. First, business. Second, designs. And the third is art. Um, what I want to talk about today is, as he mentioned, sort of this idea of reclaiming that childlike imagination and, and, uh, sort of excitement about life that may have gone missing over the years. And I think that's where I leverage a lot of my experience in business. I've got some form of affiliation, whether it be work experience, education with the McKinsey's, the Baines, the Deloitte's, the HBS, Berkeley, UCLA, done some form or fashion of program or worked full-time for all those institutions. Um, so I know what the very rigid structure and framework-like approach to life might look like and feel like, but also I've, have done everything from designing uh, live experiences to software design, and uh, most importantly, music is dear, near and dear to my heart, and that's what I've kind of gotten my uh, my foundational uh, poetic voice out through my poetic vehicle, if you will. But today, I think um, over the course of the next however long we're talking, I'll do my best to try to uh, share what experiences have worked for me and thought patterns have worked for me. And um, hopefully you can implement those 
not just not just your day to day, but you know, your year to year and your your decade to decade. So that's that's my perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, like you said, um, I always valued what well, I said. I always valued my brother's opinions because he gets, as you can see, maybe you've already kind of maybe uh, got your viewpoint or your thoughts together of, you know, wow, this is complete difference from Brian's excitement versus his poetic uh, tone <laughs> and his thoughts. Right. So uh, we always have great, great conversations and how I want to lead this in. And we've had this discussion already uh, before we started recording, but I want to lead this in with really his his first thought that he brought to mind to me was um, kind of having this targeted audience and being overrated and, and disrespectful in, in some form or fashion. But what I got out of it and maybe what you guys could get out of it is seeking momentum from your big ideas that you have. So a lot of you right now have huge ideas, huge goals for leading into 2020. And you feel like if you bring them up to somebody, they're going to be diminished, demolished, critiqued, um, opinionated, however you want to put it. And uh, how do you kind of reframe that, simplify it so your big ideas and big goals aren't kind of shot down, if I'm getting that correct, Justin? Yeah. But you can expand upon that. That's spot on, spot on. I think um, the number one thing that I wanted to start with today, and I'm glad we started with this topic, is that I think ambition and large-scale thinking is getting more and more diminished. And as a byproduct, critical thought is getting more and more diminished in modern society. So what do I mean by that? I mean that when you're seven years old and someone asks you what you want to be when you grow up, what do you say? You say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a mm -hmm. fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be um, whatever, whatever comes to mind, a doctor, a lawyer. And you think about those things that you respond with are all within a frame of your understanding and what others have told you is possible. But the older and older we get, the frame of understanding of what we think is possible gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So by the time you're 25, 35, 45, 55, you end up with a very little, um, very little piece or almost a small remnant, a fragment of what you, your imagination once was. So when you think about an, sharing an idea with someone, something as simple as that. So I know a lot of the listenership here is probably looking to break out of corporate America or, you know, break into corporate America. This isn't all entrepreneurship focus. This is, mm -hmm. you know, all, you know, take control of your life, being an executive of yourself focused um, as far as I understand. And yep. a lot of the people that I might be speaking to right now, you might be thinking about, oh, I just have this one idea that I want to share with someone, but they, I'm not sure if it's a safe space. Well, let me tell you about an experience that I've had frequently with the ideas that I'm sharing, that I'm working on right now. For for reference, uh, something I didn't mention is the big thing I'm working on right now is building an, an art school. And um, the, mm -hmm. the first iterations of that exist in the form of a podcast, um, a digital uh, lecture hall, if you will, is what I call it. And um, we've also done um, uh, prototype classrooms um, that have been pretty cool. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the fact of sharing the brighter ideas that exist with building an art school um, with new people. So if you're someone who has an idea and you're like, hey, I'm thinking about building this thing, what do you think? The hot take I have is that the most controversy or the most disrespectful thing someone can say to you in response to that is, oh, what's your target audience? 
you mean what's my target audience like what <laughs> and and before you get discouraged and say well i don't know like am i targeting 18 year olds to 20 year olds my targeting 25 year olds to 35 year olds my targeting blah, 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 blah. think about like how disrespectful that question is how small do they think you're thinking in order to ask you who your target audience is like no who's the target audience of apple like who's the target audience of beyonce who's the target audience of of of, of radiohead like mm-hmm. if you're trying to build something that's truly transformational or at least approach a small idea with a transformational mindset and the type of grit and fortitude and knowledge and change-making attitude you have to have to get through all the BS, someone asking you who your target audience is is like the most disrespectful and unhelpful thing that someone can ask you at the very, very beginning stages. That's like asking, you know, it's like your baby. That's like having an infant and somebody comes into your house. It's like, oh, it's such a pretty infant you have. Like, what do you, so, uh, you know, what do you think their college major is going to (laughs) be? Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that's a good one. Yeah, I I love that you tied those in with definitely reference points that people can think of, because I think even for me, you know, when I was coming up right with Envision, I didn't know what that was. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be health coaching. I didn't know. I I just was trying to help people in some form or fashion. And, uh, you know, the big thing that I got out of that when I was talking with Justin before this was, yeah, that makes so much sense when when people aren't even thinking that that narrow minded per se, when they just have this broad, big idea of a vision that may have popped into their minds, a dream that they may have had something that just sparked their interest. And they're just at that stage of looking for some sort of validation or someone to listen to. Right. You know, if, you know, you bring an idea to me, a lot of times Justin brings all kinds of ideas to me and I'm just there as a listening board. Um, so I think for a lot of you that, if you don't have that circle around you, if you don't have that power circle, those people that are just there to listen and maybe provide some sort of guidance where that aren't there yet to critique. There's a time and a place right, for Justin, um, for people to critique and maybe get more narrow in your ideas. But mm-hmm. in the beginning stages, I don't think it's uh, too beneficial because there's so many gifts that people just go back into their uh, their hole of comfort, right? Because they've been knocked down. So, uh, I think that's a good transition into our next topic, which well, one more thing on yeah, that. One yeah, more thing yeah. on that. I've got two things that people can research. Um yeah, I love that. and I'll just start with one. I don't know if I don't know if the two, second one will even be relevant. But the first thing that comes to mind is research something called like a uh, a ring of influence or like a ring of stakeholders or whatever. Like for all of those who are business minded or like are used to frameworks and stuff like that, this is a framework you can use. So there's this thing that's like four, three or four concentric circles and concentric circles are like circles inside of circles. And it expands out from you being in the center. And what it tries to do is display um, the different layers of influence according to who you can share your ideas with. And it's used in business. It's used in, you know, because business is pretty much everything is used in life. (laughs) And you can just kind of say, all right, well, who's in this inner circle? This is another frame of reference. Who's in the inner circle? Who's that immediate people that I can share the idea with and I can share incomplete thoughts with um, that will sit there and listen, like Brian was saying, who's in the second circle. Now, these are the people that, you know, you might want to clean up the house for when they come over. Like, you know, you straighten up a little bit, like you care about their opinion a little bit more. Them saying something negative about your baby, 
you know, might make you shed a tear if you're an emotional person like me, you know, stuff like that. And then the third group is like, oh, I'm ready to sell this thing. They need to hear about this. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. nearly complete and I'm seeking market validation. So when you're like approaching a new idea, take it through those layers of influence as opposed to just saying, well, it's ready for market validation. Like that's stupid. Like this, this idea, and this is another hot take, um, like that Mark Zuckerberg I think has is like move fast and break things. I think that's the stupidest thing that people can apply to everything that they try to do because some things need to move slowly. Mm-hmm. Some things absolutely do need to move a little bit slower. Yep. I agree. I agree. So another thing that I believe a lot of individuals are struggling with, um, and I know I did, and I think you do as well or did, and we're trying to overcome these things so we can live out our best lives is this notion of not fitting in. So we transition from, right, we have this huge idea. We, we, we think that we want more out of our lives in whatever area that it may be. But mm-hmm. um, when we branch out, it's hard to, like you said, find, even if we start with these concentric circles and try to find our our, our ring of influence or ring of, of people that we're looking to support us in some form or fashion, yeah. we feel like maybe we're still outside those rings or, or if that's what I'm getting from that. And then we feel like we're not fitting into these new circles that we're trying to gain influence in um, or gain validation or notoriety or whatnot in respect. So what, what would you, what is your experience in that and in, in thinking outside the box coming from kind of more of a, a corporate space into more of a artistic space and, and where'd your frame of thinking have to shift and concepts you may have thought about? Uh, so shifting from corporate to art, um, I think the first mindset shift was learning that art exists everywhere yep. and not thinking that it was divorced from everyday life. Um, there's a book for those who care to dig deeper on that subject called um, Design, Design, um, what's the name of the book? Oh my God, I just... Design as art, <laughs> super simple go. title, and uh, it's by Bruno Muneri. And so Bruno Muneri is um, one of one of uh, one of like I call him like a cornerstone of design um, in the 20th century, and is critical to understand sort of what the point I just made. So the point I just made is all about understanding that business practice, process development, operational fortitude, operational efficiency, those sorts of things. Even if you're like an accountant, there's an art to accounting. And I think that was the number one mindset shift. But after you make that mindset shift and understanding that um, art isn't divorced from from function, mm-hmm. you I kind of like reached this new frontier where it was about re-examining this classic quote that even non-architects and non-designers know. It's like form ever, form ever follows function from Lewis, Lewis Sullivan. And Lewis Sullivan is like uh, one of the forefathers of architecture. He, uh, I mean, I'm not Wikipedia here, so don't like <laughs> quote me. But as far as I know, like he is the forefather of like a Frank Lloyd Wright of the Corbusier of um, any modern architect. Like he is that person um, alongside like Walter Gropius, like those people. But the point I'm making is that form ever follows function, I think is a dated way of thinking about um, your life approach because 
I think that and this, this is another controversial topic that if there are a bunch of architects listening to this, they'll be like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> form, form follows function. Da, 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 da. I'm like, I understand that. I absolutely understand that for everybody who's a UX designer or whatever that is. <laughs> and um, this new sort of like experience design uh, resurgence and this sort of thing, like kudos to them. Like they're all great and they're all important. However, I think that form is the headline of anthropology and function is the footnote. And what I mean by that is that we remember, we all know the old, the old saying of like, we remember how we felt. We didn't remember really what they did. Yeah. That's and as we think about anthropology and sort of the meaning of our lives and the meaning of the actions we're taking, it's important to remember the way that we're doing things is often more important than the things that we're doing. And that's my critical take on it. And I think yeah. that it can go deeper into some like philosophical discussion. Like there's, you know, reference of like Principia Mathematica, like Bertrand Russell and like Alfred Whitehead, these people um, who've said very similar things. There's Wittgenstein who says very similar things. There's E.E. E. Cummings, who's a poet um, who obviously is biased towards what I'm saying. Um, but again, like, find art in what it is you're doing. And I think whether you're in corporate or not in corporate or whatever, you begin to see the fluidity between all disciplines. Mm -hmm. And you see that there's reason why Diddy can sit down and have a meeting with Ray Dalio and sit there and talk fluidly because at a certain point they see their craft as art and not as a discipline focus activity. Wow. That's good. Um, what I got out of that really was the fluidity part. Um, I constantly talk about life as a flow state and how uh, people ask me all the time, you know, how did you learn business? How did you learn from pharmacy? Like in your mindset, all science and you're supposed to be this nerd and you're not supposed to be talkative. And even when I was in pharmacy, you know, it was, oh, you're the cool pharmacist. You're not supposed to be a certain, you're supposed to be a certain way. And um, I love the fact that you mentioned also how you do things and maybe even why you do things versus actually what you're doing and the discipline that you're doing it in and the industry that you're in. So if you guys are listening right now and you think that because you're in a certain industry that if you shift into a different industry or a different um, you know, way of living, a different thought process than what people see you as, uh, that could be something that's hindering you right now and start thinking about maybe you know, how you're doing it. And if that's what I got out of that. For sure. Really. Like there's, so. I think we're in a, a new Renaissance um, as we enter into like the third or fourth industrial re revolution, whichever one it is. Um, web three, web three or 4.0, whichever one we're on. I don't know. But the point is that the same way that uh, Da Vinci and, uh, and Newton and these folks were not just physicists or not just artists or not just, designers are not just this side and third like they were they had holistic life perspectives mm -hmm. and they shared those in numerous forms for however long they were on earth like picasso had a holistic life perspective and he shared that antonio uh antonio gaudi uh, the architect behind the sagrada familia in barcelona he had a holistic life view like these people aren't just they're not divorcing their craft from their life point of view yeah and yeah. i think you know, a lot of what I teach and a lot of what I talk about on my platforms and stuff like that and is very aligned to what Brian talks about, not because that we're interested in the same things. I would argue that we're interested in far, 
fewer things together than we are apart. Um, I would say that like the thing that keeps us together is that there is consistency between all the different facets of what we're doing. Agreed. Agreed. So you mentioned something earlier as well, talking about, and this is something that I, I, again, like you just said, we, we are in alignment with a lot of our thoughts. It's just portrayed right in different areas of industry. So we're talking about earlier data's data numbers versus this gut intuition, your, your gut feeling, um, if we want to put it very simplistically, that you might have about making a powerful decision for your life in which area you should go. So some people are very numbers focused. Some people are very, uh, they need to have a perfect plan and, and line out everything. And that could be a hindrance for some people, right? Especially if you're in corporate America, or you've had stability right now, and you're looking to make a leap in whatever area, if it's relationship, whatever you're trying to shift in and make better. um, Give us a viewpoint a little bit about how you've kind of uh, reframed your thinking, because I always considered you kind of uh, a numbers guy or somebody that just was very artistic, but followed a blueprint of how things should go. And if you follow this blueprint, it should end up you know, like X, right? If I'm wrong, let me know. But that's what I always viewed you as, as that kind of person. It was very structured in my mind, but also mm-hmm. artistic. Yeah. I'm just going to say you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about that, and Agree I- Agree to disagree. No. <laughs> uh, well, that, yeah. So the interesting <laughs> thing about math and numbers for me is that I realize I'm not naturally good at it. I'm naturally good at a lot of random things, but not math. I think that I'm, the thing I like about math is that it has it, is that it works. And much like um, architecture, and much like design, um, not art, but architecture and design, particularly, it has to reach a point of completion. Like a triangle is not a cl- triangle unless the third side connects to the, the to the first side. Um, I know that sounds super basic, but it's leading to a broader point. Um, So the interesting thing about numbers for me has been discovering that numbers and data are in service, are always in service to something else for me. And what are they in service to? They're in service to your intuition. And that's why I opened by saying that numbers don't come naturally to me. Like I'm not naturally a data person. Mm -hmm. What I've learned over the time of building, I mentioned like my experience with like Deloitte and stuff like that, is that I've built data-driven software for several years and I've, I've, I've done that. I've built, I've, I've been down the roads of building Excel models. So for anybody listening, it's like, oh, who's this artsy dude? Like, no, I have built Excel models before. I've built, you know, what is it? Uh, discount cl- cash flow and those sorts of things. I forgot exactly what it is. But mm-hmm. again, like me even forgetting what it is, is not to say that it's not important, but it's not important unless it's in service to something. So for anyone who's sitting there trying to figure out like which Udacity business analytics course to take or like which um, Udemy, you know, data science course to take, like I've also learned Python. So Python's useless unless it's in service to something you're trying to figure out. That's like having a footnote on the bottom of your resume that says, oh, I know Python or I know Excel or I know blah, da, 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 da. Um, 
so what's the point of me saying all this? The point of me saying all this is that intuition ultimately guides intuition ultimately guides the data that we we seek. So and a good example of this is like making buying decisions. And like I said, I've built data products before. So I know that when you're building in like an analytics tool or like even if you look at like your Instagram analytics, like at a certain point, like you, you're crafted, you're looking at data retrospectively and saying, oh, well, what went wrong? And then, or you're looking at data uh, sort of preemptively and looking at, oh, what might work? But the problem is that too many people are looking at <laughs> too many people are looking at the data retrospectively and saying that, oh, well, this worked. Let me keep doing that. And then too few people are look or uh, excuse me, let me make sure I get this right. Too little people are looking at the data beforehand and saying, oh, well, let me test something to see what might work. They're looking at it saying what might work too long. And I'm not saying this from a place of like, you know, uh, autocracy or like being very dogmatic or whatever i'm saying this from a place of oh i've done that i've stared at, at analytics for for days and said oh man like all right so i'm seeing i'm seeing like this predictive model i built i think i should do this action but wait a minute this other there's a possibility i might do this there's a possibility so you end up like paralyzed by analytics and i think on the hindsight because you've been paralyzed for so long and you took so long to make a decision on something, um, you don't bother looking at the retrospective data to see what your weak spot is. So ultimately, I think when we're making buying decisions, sales decisions, relationship decisions, like all those things, I think you should trust your intuition more and remember that children at age six, seven, eight, nine, whatever, they can always tell a good person. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I love how you tied that in. Um, even for some of you that may have been lost in some of the uh, language, um, if you're following along, you must be in uh, Justin's position of corporate or or just in business in general. And I follow along and learned so much from him because of our daily conversations and our weekly conversations and me just being generally interested because like we talked about earlier, everything is fluid. So if I can learn more about how his line of work works and then I can learn more about how people in that arena think, then, you know, I could I feel like I could get to know more and more people like that and see how I could help them or support them or whatnot. So I, I'm very intrigued by how people think nowadays. Um, and like you said earlier, everything is just within their respective industry, but life is fluid. Uh, so how can we become this thought leader of life and this, uh, student of life? Um, but I think now I want to kind of pivot just finally really quick and kind of open the floor up for any final ideas, um, and really kind of question Justin a little bit of maybe kind of choosing a, a discipline, um, and maybe how someone, if they're on the fence right now and they're in corporate America, um, you know, how to, like you said, making buying decisions, making powerful decisions, using their intuition, how they could come to a conclusion maybe of doing that and open up the floor for you for any final thoughts that you may have for people. Yeah. Um, so a working message that I was thinking of while I was, while you're talking is that I think people need to develop the discipline of not choosing a discipline. And that's part of what my life's mission is about. 
I think that part of that requires that we separate job from vocation, um, job from purpose, and redefining what work is, and seeing work as not a chore but a, a gift and a and a, necess- a necessity for humanity. So as we approach life, I think that um, the discipline of not choosing a discipline is important to remember, and the more practical steps underneath that sort of headline it kind of requires that we we define how much is enough for us of each thing. We define success. And I think that that's key. Love it. I love it. So what final thoughts would you want to leave with our audience, Justin? If, if someone is on the fence right now, just trying to figure out life, if they're maybe interested in art um, coming from a, a stable corporate job right now, or if they are an artist and they are looking to kind of expand their knowledge, um, because I, I consider you an industry expert now in art and design, just on the way that you kind of reference some of these um, artists, you know, from history and their thought processes, right? And how it lines up with our 21st century uh, design work and, and just the way people are living and thinking. Uh, so what kind of final thoughts would you leave with somebody that may be kind of just looking for more clarity in their life? Um, yeah, um, two thoughts, two thoughts. So the first thought that comes to mind is that there are two types of people, and these are transformative ideas that were shared with me, so this is not from the horse's mouth. Um, Two types of people, learners and non-learners. And once I heard that, it immediately put me in a mindset of abundance and immediately put me in a mindset of everlasting existence and immediately put me in in an expansive mindset where my current existence isn't isn't stagnant and forever and the agency it takes to move out of my current place is is learning the same agency it took to move from third to fourth grade to fourth to fifth grade sixth to seventh grade and i think because of the confines of the traditional classroom environment we were fed um to our, to our detriment, sort of an idea of education that wasn't really everlasting. We looked at education as a chore, but once we started to look at education as a gift of everlasting life, then we will move beyond our current circumstances for better or for worse, but it's important that we'll be in motion. So that's idea number one, learners and non-learners. The second idea that I want to leave people with is this Confucius quote that um, I won't say too many things have changed my life, but this is for sure one of those things that comes close. It's like asymptotically to the cha- life-changing, um, it's asymptotic to the life-changing uh, axis, if you will. But um, Confucius, he was like, every man lives two lives and his second life starts as soon as he realizes he only has one. Mm-hmm. And that quote just like shook me up. And I would argue that most people kind of realize that um, if you're quote unquote, most poop, most people probably in your mid twenties, late twenties, early thirties, maybe. And sadly, some people realize that when they're 50. Um, and once you realize you're never in a state of becoming, or excuse me, you're never in a state of having become, you're always in a state of becoming shout out Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually haven't read that book, but you know, <laughs> the cover looks cool. And exactly. She did a talk where her boots were on fire. So <laughs> shout out to her. Um, yeah. So those are the things. 
Wow. Wow. Those are powerful messages to leave off with and, and definitely gives people hopefully some insight into shifting their way of thinking. Um, I'm a huge proponent of insight and not necessarily more info at times. So we bombard a lot of people with info, right? All the time. And I, I was a testament to that, that I always try to consume more info. And I felt like if I gave people more info all the time, that it would help them. And a lot of times I realized that people's behaviors, people's thought processes were so stagnant, like you said, they weren't at this growth mindset. They weren't in this learning phase consistently, but they had reached a point in their life where it just was a chore, everything before it. And now they're wondering, well, now I'm here. This was supposed to be my time. What else is left? And people are looking for that answer. And uh, I love that you ended off with both of those, uh, the learner and non-learner, and then the Confucius quote, which was amazing that people literally need to realize that, you know, you only have one. And uh, if you're in the stagnant phase of non-movement, then what needs to happen? You know, and I think that comes to a point in a man and woman's life where they have to make a decision for themselves. And inside of themselves is the hardest place to do that because we're always looking for validation, right? We're always looking for um, that person to say yes, which is important, but it's also important to say yes to yourself um, at some point in time and own your own life. So Justin, I appreciate, man, you coming onto the podcast. I know a lot of people are listening like, oh, well, that should be a no brainer. But um, I think both of us are very intentional with everything that we do um, mm-hmm. and making sure that people are getting some form of value or impact. And we're also delivering that for ourselves, but also for other people to hear. And, um, you know, this was important to me to go ahead and say, why not? And while we're here and, and, uh, I definitely value Justin's opinions and thought processes and all the things that he's done, um, and continues to do. So guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, this episode, please go ahead and share it out with your audience. Um, if you're coming on from Justin's platforms, uh, you know, go back and check out our sub- some of our episodes and uh, we will gravitate some uh, people over to Justin's platform as well. I'll let him uh, kind of let people know where they can find him as well. Oh, yeah. So there's three main places to find us. First one is Instagram. The Graham. The Graham. At educated underscore underscore guests. That's the art school we're building. Um, the second place is the website, which is a great place to get subscribed to email updates. So that's educated-guest.com. And the third place is podcast platforms near you. So that would be like at least eight or nine different platforms. I've lost count, but you know, that's Spotify and Apple Podcasts for most people. Um, and you just search educated guests. It's like not guests with a T, but guests with two S's. And um, it's a podcast for artists. So check it out and you'll hear more of my voice and uh, a lot of other cool people that you might know. <laughs>